Hello and welcome to episode two of our impromptu bonus series live from lockdown. So grab your plastic pint glasses, get the warmest of ciders, because it's going to get live and dangerous. start to the show that was uh bombastic and and rocking to be honest um i loved the sort of the crowd sort of i think they're saying absolutely and i mean jailbreak is an absolutely fantastic album that i also own but i think you know with rock bands it's a hit or miss whether the live version is going to be better or not but i do feel yeah. like the live version is better and um, we'll probably talk about that later on in the episode, why that sounds better. But I just wanted, we, we've already done um, a kind of, a Stranger Live album, which is, it was already set up to be live and it wasn't an environment of a, a store. This is recorded live at an actual venue, an actual gig with a big crowd that are wanting to fucking rock out. So totally. I thought this was a, a good one to look at. Um, and obviously with the age of it, I think I got this from my mum and dad, to be fair. I'm pretty sure Did they you? probably were at not at this gig, but they would have been on this tour. My mum and dad would have definitely seen them on this tour. Awesome. Uh, was it 78, wasn't it? I think it was the... 78, year. aye. Down from the ground came the marching men With their shields and their swords To fight the fight they believed to be right They brought the sword and flame When they left the town it was empty As much as it's touted as one of the best live albums of all time, the producer, who is uh, Tony Viscotti, the producer of um, a lot of David Bowie's albums. T-Rex as well, wasn't he? Aye. And T-Rex, oh, yeah. aye. Uh, he was. He said, I'm pretty sure he said something like it's 95% overdubs and really only the drums and the crowd of the live aspects. Everything else was just overdubbed. And um, Thin Lizzy actually came back and they're like, no, 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 it's all live. Um, but we did have to do some overdubs because we're that fucking loud that you just couldn't tell what was playing. So we had to put some overdubs over there to give it a bit of sheen. So um, I don't really know how it was put together i don't think anybody really knows i know there's people have been searching for like the master tapes to kind of prove right. who is right um but it's stated as being recorded in hammersmith right um, okay which is home to quite a few live recordings i actually have a live one of the only live recordings that i was at was um kate bush's before the dawn i think we'll talk about it oh, if we have right, time right. it was also at hammersmith um Motorhead have a live album, No Sleep Till Hammersmith. I wonder so, if, because um, there's a connection there um, with Motorhead with the the guitarist, um, Brian Robertson, who actually left the band. This was the last album he did with the band. And he didn't join Motorhead right away, but he, he formed his own band um, 
wild horses, but then he later joined Motorhead, replacing... Fast Eddie Clark or whatever his name was. Aye, that's him. I replaced him, and then he did, like two, he did two albums, but there was, again, creative differences there. Cause mm. he was, uh, <laughs> so that would have been the point when Gary Moore would have joined um, Thin Lizzy, I imagine. It was. Uh, he replaced him. I think he'd been in the band before, and then he came back to replace him. Um, but I didn't realise uh, Brian Robertson was uh, Scottish. didn't know that. Well, we learn something every single exactly. day. Exactly, from Clarkson, no less. From, Cla- from Clarkson, oh, lovely. <laughs> Yeah, this album is a serious kind of shit kicker in the kind of in the volume stakes. It could be that it's not really a live album, but we're going to go as a live album because it's live and dangerous. There's crowd sounds, um, <laughs> exactly. There's shit banter. There's actually a point where Phil does that fucking cliched part. Is there anybody out there with a little bit of Irish in them? And then it's like, is there any girls out there that would like a little bit more? so total different times absolutely different times times that we were not able to um experience um i always hear my parents talking about how many bands they went to see and then they talk about let's say for instance seeing queen and then the support band was someone else that were like fucking massive um in fact it may have been the thin lizzie so in kind of in 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 honor of that i thought i would i would crack open a rum that you know when you go to kind of venues that are kind of spitting sawdust or whatever they yeah. usually say, um, and there's not a fine rum selection. There's usually like a dusty bottle of OVD. Oh yes. Um. So it's generally always either OVD or Lambs. Lambs, I was going to say it was like Navy or Lambs. Yeah. Aye. So I'm I'm going to crack open a bottle of Lambs to enjoy this Lovely. vintage um live album. And what about yourself? And well, you're in lockdown. I- I was really, I really wanted to have some Jamesons because, you know, yeah, Irish and, and a kind of rock and roll favourite as well, Jamesons, but uh, I don't have any, so I've had to sort of make do as, as we're all having to do in these testing times. <laughs> <laughs> so I've um, I actually, I've got some bourbon, which I thought was kind of like rock, a wee bit rock and roll. I don't have Jack Daniels because I don't particularly like it, but it is a sort of Tennessee style whiskey. Um, oh, nice. Evan Williams. I had a wee sip of it, but I'm going to put coke in it because it's still still the afternoon, and I don't I don't want to go start drinking bloody whiskey. It's quite quite nice. It's, t- it's Tennessee style, which I think means is like I think they make it in like sort of fired casks or something like that. I don't know all the details because I'm not. I mean, they generally do fire casks to get that not only color but to get that flavor in there. Yeah, smokiness. Um, I actually I don't know if you've ever been on the Jameson's tour in Cork. <laughs> No, um, I haven't. But, it's, but I remember you telling decent. me about it. I do enjoy it. It's quite nice to go and they explain that actually Jameson's, as much of it as an Irish brand, was started by a Scottish. John Jameson, Scottish. Um, triple distilled for extra smoothness um, and Madeira casks as well for that Ooh. sweetness. Ooh. So, are you enjoying enjoy. this whiskey in a jar? Um, I'm not, and that was another reason I thought the whiskey as well, but it's in a glass. <laughs> I, I mean, to be those. fair. 
Thin Lizzy didn't even enjoy a whiskey in a jar on this album because it is notably missing from the set. I, 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 was, I was thinking, why, why did we not talk about that one? But it's not even on the bloody... Was it because it was recorded after this? No, no, whiskey in, the jar, whiskey in a Jar was earlier. I think what it was maybe just a bit too folky for such a live album. It was conspicuous, certainly, by not being on there. I, I mean, when we were looking at tracks to place on this podcast, that, that yeah. was going to be one of them. Um, but instead, I thought I would highlight a cover uh, by the band and it's a Bob Seger cover if, if anybody's a fan of Bob Seger nice and it is uh, Rosalie or as Phil says <laughs> I'm not even going to do that accent <laughs> Aye, really good. That's quite an interesting cover. I don't think I've ever heard that song before, if I'm being quite honest. Um, I don't think so either, but I mean, I'm not really the biggest fan of that era of music. I do remember my mum and dad having a Bob Seger CD in the car. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure if one was played, I'd uh, I'd know it. But he seems to be, maybe just by looks, with hmm. his fucking grey beard and his grey hair, it, it always reminds me of Michael McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> so I throw him in the um, same camp. Aye, it was like, we were sort of chatting during that song about about cover versions. Obviously, it's a cover version, um, and particularly covers or favourite covers that you might have heard at a gig. Because um, I, I do like that when some artists have got ones that they'll always do, or maybe not always, but they'll have it on their uh, on their kind of their kind of set list or their rolling set lists. And there's some really good ones, and I prefer that to them actually putting them out as part of an album or as a single or whatever but um well i think it takes a different kind of skill to to actually lay it down and record it my issue is i'm that like stuck into like watching the band if they do a cover i'm like what is this and it takes so long to fucking click with a lot of them and you're like right i'm gonna have to go back and check that set list yeah there was one because a lot of them don't ever even announce oh this is a cover like no they don't no, that's the thing. Unless it's a really famous song, you're like, well, is that? I've not heard that. I actually remember my first ever gig. So I was 14 years old. Or maybe, was I 14? Yeah, I was 14 years old. And it was The Offspring at the SECC. <laughs> so Offspring were my favourite band. And supporting them were AFI, who I, later, who I later discovered. Well, I discovered there. Fell in love with them and ended up getting a fucking AFI tattoo like a year or so later. And then there was a British band who must have just been like put on by the promoters called right. Caffeine. 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 All right. right. And they were so technically they were the first ever live band that I saw because they were the 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 lowest level support. Of course. Right. So they came on and they did a cover of Dead or Alive's You Spin Me Right Round. Oh Christ! And I fucking I was obsessed. I was like, "This is what live music is all about: is fucking listening to tracks that, like, you would never come across. You would never come across, or just enjoying music for music's sake." So I knew that song, and they were playing it, and they enjoyed it. So from then on, like, covers were a cool thing Mm. at gigs for me. And punk bands are notorious for doing covers. Um, There's like the uh, me first and the gimme gimme gimmies, who actually just are a super band of different punk bands um doing covers what about yourself 
Um, well, we, we were on our last um, on our last episode. We talked about Father John Misty, and I remember he does a few covers, and he'll tend to do them only live. And to your point around thinking a head scratching moment, what is that? Um, and I think you maybe gave me a heads up on this, or I gave you a heads up. I can't remember because you saw him in London, and I think. I saw in Manchester, as we'd, we'd said in the last episode, but it does a Rihanna cover. Yeah. And it's like, kiss it better. And uh-huh. I was just like, what is that? And I was like, try to Shazam it and all this kind of, all this kind of stuff. Um, but I like that when, I, when an artist does a sort of unusual cover. So it takes quite a pop song or like a punk band doing like quite a famous song of a different genre. I, I, I do like it when you get a, something that's quite unusual. You wouldn't expect that artist to do a cover. Of, of another artist that's completely different so I think that's really cool when you when you see that um, and also I've been at a few gigs I don't know if this ever happened to you where the band's really new and they've only got one album so they don't have a really big back catalogue so to yeah. fill a set of an hour and a half is quite difficult <laughs> and they end up doing doing quite a few covers um, I remember seeing Vampire Weekend at the Barras um, oh did I know what this cover is already I it was um I think they did a few covers that night, but the one that sticks out in my mind is uh, Fleetwood Max everywhere. Uh, I think that you can get that on like Spotify and stuff like that. You'll you'll see it. Um I don't know if they ever put it down on physical, but you'll get it somewhere, maybe on an extended version of an album, a digital version or something. But, I saw um, them at uh, the Puckle Pop Festival in Belgium and they did that cover as well, and it was fantastic because their sound, as much as it's very Paul Simon Graceland, mm. um also suits that era, Tango in the Night. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac, and yeah. um, oh, it was a fantastic cover. Again, perfect climate for listening to those absolute bangers of tunes. Mm-hmm. I think I prefer those covers versus the kind of because I know Father John Missy also does like a cover of um, Leonard Cohen, and that's that's more a bit more downbeat. Yeah. Whereas I want more kind of party atmosphere. Yeah, we're enjoying this. Let's play a song that everybody fucking enjoys. <laughs> so we're going to move from Rosalie Brackett's Cowgirl song into more of a kind of a slower ballad that kicks in. And that is Cowboy Song. So we're going to play that right now for you and we'll come back. To the Okay, now there was a reason why I played that song. Obviously, it's it starts off a bit slow and then it kicks in. Yeah, a fantastic song in its own right, and we'll discuss why we chose that song. Um, but before that, drinks. How is uh, how are you getting on with your whiskey that's not in a jar? Um, I it's it's weird because I was drinking rum before. I had a rum and then I, I, it was the last one in that bottle, so I wasn't want to open another one, but. Uh, it's not quite as like people who drink whiskey would say that's really sweet because I've had some drinks are really quite a sweet rum that mm. doesn't feel sweet but it's it's quite smoky and it's all about subtle it's ah it's not it's not too bad actually I can drink a lot of it but um what made you go for that um bourbon why did you buy I that know. I don't know I think I've had it before Evan Williams I've had it before yeah and it's in that classic bottle so it looks like a Jack Daniels Jim Beam style bottle that must it's be the whiskey bottle. Um, a bit like you get a champagne bottle that is the there's a definitive shape 
and I think I'm not an expert by any stretch, but I think that must be why, why it is. Um, I am very interested to hear how you get on with old lambs. I'm enjoying it. I really am. It's um, it does have that old school Demerara um, vibe to it. Maybe not as powerful as OVD. Yeah. I have cheated and put a bit of lime in there. I'm pretty sure back in the day, if you had asked for a wedge of lime in your room, you might have got a bit of a funny look. I don't yeah. know how many bars did have limes there. Maybe I should have put a bit of lime cordial in there. But you think, though, for like if you're a if you're a sailor, you'd be oh, wanting some citrus to stop you getting scurvy. To stop getting scurvy. <laughs> when was it that the navy stopped giving their ration of rum? Because I'm pretty sure people kicked up fucking hell um, over that. Um, it must be quite recently. I, I don't know if they still do this, but I remember meeting um, a guy on holiday who was like quite high up in the navy, um, but he'd let. I think he retired now, but I he wasn't like an admiral, but he was high up. Um, and he says that they still get their their alcohol rations to this day. Well, maybe they still do get it. Maybe I'm but they maybe I'm just imagining like that they get beers or whatever. They get like four. It's actually quite a lot. It's quite a lot more than you'd, you'd think. It's like. I think it's equivalent to like two or three a day or something like that. So, um. <laughs> I think the funny thing as well, though, is so the British Navy obviously gets rum or alcohol, but mm. I was watching that new Jeff Goldblum documentary on uh, you know on Disney Plus. All right, and he he does an episode where he um he explores why do people love ice cream, and it <laughs> turns out that the American Navy. I don't know if this is the whole of the Navy or the specific ship he went to, right? But they have um, ice cream days where everybody just sits about and eats fucking ice cream. Aye. And it might be ice cream Sundays. They might do it on a Sunday because oh, of that. That's where it came from. Oh, no, no, it's not ice cream. They call them ice cream socials. That's what it was. Socials. And everybody right. gets together and has ice cream. That sounds um, amazing. It, is, it, it does sound amazing, but if you were in the Navy, would you rather have ice cream or fucking rum? Oh, well, there's, you need to ask me that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no because after you eat a lot of ice cream you probably just feel quite like you regret it and ah, absolutely. quite sluggish whereas at least if you get smashed on rum okay you might have a hangover but you fucking absolutely have a great time I mean the problem with it that we're discussing here is we're forgetting that we're actually going to be on a navy ship and we're going to be out at sea I mean if you're going to drink too much do you really want to be seasick but I do really like that kind of that navy style rum, as you said, like lambs. There is one just called navy rum. Um, there is, and there's also a skipper's rum. Skipper's rum. Um, is it one called? Is it, is it pussers or pusser pussers or something like that? It's quite a navy pussers, style. yeah. Um, and you also get navy strength rums as well. Mm. So they're kind of cask strength. So they're usually like fifty plus, which you have. Well, this to one's only forty percent, luckily. You have to tread with uh, with with caution there. There was a rum I was looking at recently online. I was going to buy it, and then I realised it was cash strength, so it was like fifty seven percent. I was like, nah, probably not. Um, so managed to, to sort of sidestep that one. Let's move on. So the reason that um, we picked this track, which is the first track on the second LP, so it's yep. side C track one, mm -hmm. um, is because. There's an absolute perfect moment. It's one of my favourite things in a gig is when you are totally blindsided by the band and they sneak another song in without you even um, having the chance to get ready for you to get fucking sucker punched. Totally. And it reminded me, and I think we talked about this before in some episode, but um, 
Aye, I like the only second to the fake ending. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Du, 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 du. And they kind of stop. Then, they, then people clap, and I'm like, ah, you clapped. I knew you clapped, you clapped. Um, but yeah, <laughs> they, just, they just carry right through into the next song. Right? That, that is, I actually like albums that do that as well. It can be yes. a wee bit annoying if you just want to listen to a certain track, but um, it is cool when it's got that little kind of bit that links them together I love that Um, but yeah so we're actually going to play the end of uh, the Cowboys Life again and then just show you exactly what we mean so it's at that point where he slowly sings the Cowboys Life is the life for me and it goes boom and everybody's like that song's finished and then before they even get to clap that song and I think literally there is like five seconds you can count it and then they're like, fuck, this just started playing. They all start clapping. And that's the thing that I absolutely yeah, adore. Like you can tell the audience just that realisation that happened in the audience. Well, fuck, hang. <laughs> I just love that reaction. And I love that when that happens in gigs as well. So um, I think what we'll do is we'll finish off this podcast with probably my favourite and probably the most well-known Thin Lizzy song. And that is, of course, The Boys Are Back In Town. And just like that, we are also back in town. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It has been impromptu. We'll try and do these as often as we can. And um, have a great day. Be safe. Be safe. Stay in the house. Cowboys love is love for me. Much to see, man, I still think them cats. Are-